So if you go to 1 Corinthians chapter number 1, and at Children's Church, you are dismissed. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Good? No? All right. First Corinthians chapter number one. We're going to begin reading with verse 17. So good to see everybody out this morning. God is so good to us. Amen? First Corinthians chapter number one. Looking at verse 17, the Apostle Paul writes, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Not with words of human wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Verse 20, where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher or the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not or could not know him. God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Now Jews demand miraculous signs and Greeks, they look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews, foolishness to Gentiles, but to those whom God has called. Both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Amen. Let's use as our title this morning, the plan and the power and the glory of the cross. Father, we thank you for your word. Speak to our hearts. Give us a fresh understanding and appreciation of the cross of Jesus Christ. What it accomplished, what it means to us this day. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Communion Sunday in the house of the Lord with the precious people of God in divine presence. No better place to be. And as we look at the sacred scripture this morning, the prayer is that we might appreciate, really value, grasp the worth, appreciate and um, celebrate the celebration service as we contemplate, think about the wonder and the greatness of the cross of Jesus Christ. What it means to us who believe and what it has done in us and for us. Thank God this morning for the forgiveness of sins. Thank God this morning for the great salvation He's given us for eternal life and for the ultimate glorification that awaits on that day. And we glory in the cross along with the Apostle. And Acts the 18th chapter is where we find the background of this church of Corinth. And it was founded by Paul on his second missionary journey. And leading up to its founding, it wasn't an easy journey. He had faced one battle after another. You know, the life of faith is not always an easy walk. How many know that? That's why the Bible says it's a fight of faith. It's not for the faint of heart. It's not to the weary that will just give up and give in. But there's something that must have a tenacity and a determination to continue on and press on and reach on and pray on and hope on regardless of the opposition, regardless of the fate. Can you say amen? 
Paul's in a second missionary journey. And it was not an easy trip. Some would have went back to Springfield. Some would have just given up. But we see this journey. He went to Philippi. We know that story. He was beaten. And he was in prison. From there, he went to Thessalonica. And to save his life, they had to smuggle him out of town at night in cover of darkness. And then he went to Berea. And they received the word at first, but the intensity and the hostility of the harassment, he was hounded. He couldn't stay very long, and he left. And then he went to Athens. Athens, that, um, that fortress of Greek philosophy and arrogance and education. And there in Athens, though his heart was greatly grieved by the idolatry and the darkness all around him, he failed to make much of an impression. And then he goes to Corinth. Now, Corinth, to put it mildly, was a very, very wicked city. In fact, if you wanted to insult someone in that day and and say something negative or slander someone, you'd call them a Corinthian. And it would mean that they're a vile person. They're a corrupt person. They're they're, they're morally cheap. This was a spiritually hard place. A place where darkness and vice and confusion abound. It was a wicked city, yet it was one of the most prominent of Greek cities at that time. Again, intellectually arrogant, as the Greeks say, they, they honored and they, they, they praised and prized wisdom and debate and philosophy. It was materially affluent. It was a commercial center. So there was prosperity and there, there was wealth. And of course, it was morally corrupt. Scores and scores of retired Roman legionnaires made their home in Corinth. It was where the temple Aphrodites was, and there were literally thousands of temple prostitutes would ply their wares. And Corinth, in Acts 18, as Paul approaches that city, we see the early part of his ministry, and we read how when he arrives, immediately he faces opposition, rejection, resistance, persecution. And in the midst of his discouragement, in the midst of his frustration, he's exhausted. Jesus appears to him at night in a vision. Acts 18, verses 9 and 10. And Jesus says, Paul, fear not. Don't be afraid. You just keep on speaking and preaching. Don't you dare be silent. Because no one will attack you and harm you. For I have many people in this city. You know, he gives them a word of assurance. My presence is here. Fear not. I'm with you. He gives them a promise. I will protect you. And I'm going to use you. And we think this morning, how many times have we been ready to give up and quit, just throwing the towel when the going got rough, but Jesus showed up just when we needed Him. How many times that it seemed like we couldn't go another mile and heaven came to us somehow and reminded us the Lord is with us and His grace is sufficient for us and the battle is the Lord's battle and God is going to finish just what He started in you. If you're here this morning, hear you the voice of the Lord. God's not done yet. He's not finished yet. Stand firm in your faith. Don't be moved from your place of obedience and watch Jesus fulfill His Word in you and through you. Somebody say Amen. And after this moving encounter with the Lord, Paul makes a fresh determination. He would not argue with the philosophers, nor would he compete with the professional orators. He would face this Greek 
city with all of its arrogance and idolatry, human wisdom, immorality, he would face it with nothing less than the message of Christ and Him crucified. The message of the cross of Jesus Christ and the Gospel of Jesus Christ. For that is the true wisdom and power of God that transforms people, transforms nation. Blessed be His name. Why we bring out the wickedness of this city. It was a city of maybe a quarter of a million freed people. Another 400,000 slaves. It was a place of great spiritual darkness, pain and hurt. But in that place, the gospel of Jesus Christ was able to reach in and rescue a church of people and build something wonderful that we read about to this day. It was in such a place where lives were so damaged by the sin and all that had happened, where lives were so enslaved by the spiritual darkness all around them, that the word of the cross of Christ penetrated, reached in, and transformed life. And it's still doing it today. I want someone to know it's the message Corinth needed and it's the message America needs. I want you to know that. Oh, yes. It's the message we need. Not a new philosophy. Certainly not a new legislation. Not a watered-down pseudo-Christianity. But the pure and powerful gospel of Jesus Christ. It'll change you. It'll change your family. It'll change the nation. We are witnesses, for it has changed us. Can you say amen? We think we need something new and something spectacular. We don't understand what we read when we read the Bible. They could be 12 and 13 and they'd sell them to the temples to be used. I mean, talk about inner hurt. Talk about lives scarred by the abuse of others. Talk about the lies and the wickedness and the materialistic pride. Corinth was a hard place, a spiritually dark place. But Paul didn't come up with some kind of dance gimmick. To win them. Paul didn't come up with some kind of cute little, no, 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 no. He said, I'm going to preach the cross of Calvary. I'm going to declare to this lost people that God so loved you that He sent His one and only Son to die for you. And all the things you're looking for in the immorality, in the commercialism, in the education, all the things you're looking for and you can never find, you'll find it in Jesus Christ. You'll find it because God sent His Son. God shed His blood. And in that cross, there's freedom and there's healing and there's forgiveness and there's transformation. What you need is not another relationship to curse about in three years. What you need is not just another boat to go out in. What you need is a fresh encounter with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Glory be His name. Hallelujah. Oh, God help. Is this too much for anybody? Baptists are down the street. God help us. Oh, my. Oh, hallelujah. No, no, no. Let's get back to the Bible. Let's not be swayed by the nonsense abounding around us. Paul wrote 1 Corinthians 1 and 23 and 24, but we preach Christ crucified. Didn't open up a 24-hour counseling center. Not that those things don't have their place. What you need is to get saved to the bone and get radically on fire for Jesus and let that spirit consume you. Not the spirit of lust and not the spirit of what's in it for me, but a spirit that is on fire for Jesus Christ. 
Mm. But we preach Christ crucified. A stumbling block to the Jews. Foolishness to the Gentiles. There's got to be more than this. No, 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 it's really not. But to those whom God has called. That's us. That's believers. Both Jew and Greek. Male and female. North and south. Both Jew and Greek, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. We're looking for a revelation. We're, no, no, no. Christ is the wisdom of God. We're looking for something. No, 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 no. You're missing it. You can find it all in Jesus. Woo! Jesus paid it all. <laughs> because of the cross of Calvary, we who have believed, We enjoy forgiveness this morning. There's no more condemnation, no more accusation. Praise God, we are clean, we are clean. We've been washed in the blood of the Lamb and our sins and our past. He remembers no more. Hallelujah! We that have put our faith in the risen Christ, we are forgiven and we are now favored sons and daughters with the pleasures and privileges of eternal life and abundant life and the gifts of God and the standing of righteousness before the Father. We are forever kept by that grace, secure in His hand. And our future is glorious. The best is yet to come for those who have put their faith in the cross of Calvary. The cross says God loves you. And God has made a way for you that you can come and know forgiveness. You could come and have that wounded heart healed. You could come and have that thing that torments you set free. The cross says God loves you. The cross says God has made a way for you. Whosoever will, you can come. And He'll receive you. You can come and He'll forgive you. You can come and He'll take your burden, your guilt, your shame. And He'll give you His righteousness, His presence, His salvation. The cross says and reveals to us that man needs God and man is unable to save himself. The cross reveals our need. The cross tells us that I was incapable of saving myself if I could. Jesus never would have come from the balconies of heaven. Never would have came and submitted to the agony, the sorrow, the humiliation of humanity, the cross. No, 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 no. The cross shows us that God hates sin, but God loves sinners. I want you to hear that. That God hates sin so much His Son died to free us from its horror. And it's whole. But God loves sinners. It is so very clear that God so loved the world. Every part of the world. Every flavor of the world. That God so loved the world. He paid such a great price because of that love. He endured such a horrible um, agony because of that love for you and that love for me. 
when we think of the cross and we partake of the Lord's table, I'm reminded of my need. God did it because I needed it. There was no other way for me to be forgiven. There was no other way for me to escape the judgment I deserve but the cross of Calvary and the shed blood of Jesus Christ. But God loved me. That's why He did it. He didn't need me, but He chose me. If you're listening to me today, He chose you. He wants you. God is your answer. Jesus is the way to go. Don't listen to the lies of the world that will take you down a path of sorrow, but give Him your life. Serve Him with all you have. You'll find real peace. You'll find real meaning. You'll find divine purpose as you walk with the living God. Historically, Rome would... Well, the cross and crucifixion was invented by the people in the East, but I mean Rome and the Greeks, man, they fine-tuned it. And when it came to torture and punishment, they, they knew what they were doing. And Rome would use the cross as an instrument of terrible torture, of punishment, humiliation. In fact, it was so bad, it was illegal to crucify a, a, human, a Roman citizen. It was reserved for enemies of the state, for runaway slaves and Rebellious people. But they would use it to break the will of rebellious people. If anyone would rebel against Rome, and Rome would conquer them and often take their leaders. And in the center of that town, they would hang them on that cross, march the rest of the population by, and they say, this is what happens when you dare to stand against mighty Rome. They would use it to break the will They would use it to embarrass an enemy king or a rebel leader. They would use it to disperse opposition, to crush hopes of any other thought, further thought of rebellion against Rome. When Jesus spoke of the cross, he said, when you lift me up on that cross, I'm going to draw all men unto me. Where Rome would use the cross to disperse, to destroy, and to defeat Jesus understood the cross as part of the Father's plan. It was the Father's wisdom not to destroy, but to save. Not to scatter, but to gather. Not that men would run, but that whosoever will would come and receive the mercy and the grace and the forgiveness of God. Oh, hence we boast about the cross. We glory in the cross. We sin about the cross. We shout praises as tears flow down as we think about the cross and the wonder and the greatness of that act. That's why we who know the Lord, we who know Jesus, we find the cross of Christ humbling and moving. We find the cross sobering yet exciting. We find it inspiring or we find it liberating. We find it humbling that God would do that for me. That God would love me. I know what I did and you know what you did. That God would love me that much. It's humbling. But it's also inspiring. It's liberating. When we understand the truth and the result of that cross, when we understand what Jesus Christ accomplished when He kicked the end out of the tomb and rose again in power and glory, when we truly understand the achievement of the cross and what it means to us who believe and what He has done through the cross for us now and forevermore. So many of our songs express 
these wonderful truths. They celebrate this great triumph. We sing it as well. I love that line. My sin, my sin, I don't know about your symptoms, my sin, not in part, but in whole. The whole ugly thing. It wasn't swept under the rug. It wasn't conveniently forgotten. It was nailed to His cross. And here it is, here it is. And I, this is liberating, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. It is well. It is well with my soul. But i got, you got to tell you, it wasn't well when I was rebelling. It wasn't well when I was confused and didn't know my left from my right. And sin had its hold and deception had me. It wasn't well at that time. But all because of the cross of Jesus Christ. Because He paid it all. I can declare it is well. It is well. It is well I've been pardoned. It is well I've been forgiven. It is well I've been healed. It is well I've been reconciled. We sing these glorious songs. We sing about the cross. And some of you that grew up in church, you know what it is to rebel. You know what it is to be backslidden. You didn't want the cross. You didn't see beauty in that cross for a lot of years. You saw the cross as a place of bondage. As a place that was going to cramp your style. You ran from it. The devil lied to you about the cross. He deceived you about the cross. But one glad morning when God's amazing grace apprehended you and brought you, you finally got to the cross. And oh my goodness, this is what you found out when you got there mercy was great and grace was free pardon there was multiplied for me there our burden saw liberty liberty at calvary you didn't find it on the psychiatrist's desk you didn't find it in popping another pill the liberty comes through the blood of jesus christ as he changes us and breaks the chains that bound us and makes us brand new somebody say amen somebody give jesus a praise Hallelujah! The blood, the blood, the cross! Hallelujah! Oh, my. Yeah. Oh, I run from that cross. I'm going to cramp my style. No, I'm going to send you to hell. You need the cross! All those things you were running when you got there. Lo and behold, you found out the devil been lying to me. You avoided it all them years. You kicked yourself. Say, man, I wish I would have came a decade earlier. Would have saved a whole lot of, oh, my, my, my. I got there. I got a revelation. Didn't know Greek, Hebrew, or Italian. But when I got there, I got a revelation at the cross of Jesus. Mercy. There was great. I needed mercy. I needed a boatload. Amen. I found it at the cross. Mercy there was great. And grace, it was free. I didn't have anything to barter with. I didn't have anything to give them. But my wretched old self, my rebellious old self, pardon, there was multiplied. The blood, I was pardoned. This burdened soul, this guilty soul, this frustrated soul, this unfulfilled soul found liberty at Calvary. Free at last, free at last. Oh, glory. Hallelujah. The message of the cross was God's plan. See, this was God's wisdom. This was God's strategy. This was God's thinking. This was God's intention. Verse 21, For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom could not know God. God said, no, no, you're not going to know me through your own thinking. You can't do it. It's corrupt. It's fallen. You never know God by trying to, you know God, but he came down. 
You see. God was pleased. What pleased God was to the full. Now, not just preaching, but you can preach anything. But it was what was preached. Christ and Him crucified. The death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save. God was pleased to save. And He's still pleased to save. Whosoever will come and believe. you got to believe. You have to believe. Hallelujah. For sure, um, to both the Greek and to the Jew, the story of Christianity sounded like folly. Sounded like foolishness. But Paul is quick to note that man's wisdom had never found God. Man's wisdom incapable of knowing God. Men were never capable of finding God by going up. The only way we know God is because He came down in the incarnation and the revelation that God came to us because we could never reach up and come to Him. It wasn't that we had human discovery. It was that we had a merciful revelation as heaven spoke and heaven revealed. But the wisdom, the will and the plan of God is revealed in the glorious message of the cross that God loves us enough to save us. Praise God. He's willing to save us. And that God has offered the perfect sacrifice for us. That we can approach Him. That we can uh, uh, be appeased. That we can be approved. That we can be made right in His sight. Upon the cross that we sing about. Upon the cross that we celebrate communion. Upon the cross, Jesus Christ. God's only begotten Son. Perfect and sinless Son. He took our sins upon Him. And He took the punishments those sins deserved upon Him. God on the cross, it was not just a martyr's death. He died as a substitute for you and a substitute for me. He took the holy wrath of God that my sins deserved. For God in His holiness could not just sweep sin under the rug. It had to be atoned for. It had to be punished. And it was punished on Christ as He willingly and lovingly went to the cross and stretched out His arms for you and for me. Sin doesn't have to win. You can come to Jesus and know forgiveness and know deliverance. Sin doesn't have to defile and deceive any longer. You can come by faith and believe what the Gospel declares and receive the blessing that Christ has appropriated. This is God's wisdom. This is God's plan. This is fulfilling God's purpose that none should perish. God sacrificed His own Son for us. And it's through His sacrifice that God saves us. God accepts men when they approach Him through the cross and there is no other way and there's no other currency that God will accept. Like that story of the preacher that walked into a barber shop in Dallas. And he says, as soon as I walked in the door, I saw a sign. And it said something to the effect, in God we trust, all others pay cash. In other words, the barber was saying, I only accept cash payments. Can't write a check. Can't use a credit card. 
Cash was the only payment that he would accept. And the death of Jesus Christ and the shed blood of the Lamb of God is the only payment that God will accept. That's the only currency that heaven accepts if you want to get in. Oh, my, my, my. But when we put our faith in Christ and in His finished work on that cross, then God accepts us. Then God forgives us, not because of what we do, but because of what He did. We're just receiving it and believing it and accepting the wisdom and the will and the plan of God. The old song, nothing in my hand I bring, simply to the cross I claim. But is there nothing in my hand that can move God? I can't do enough. You think God needs your extra offering? God been fine before that. You think God? No, no, He don't need. It's according to mercy and love that He chooses. He chooses to say, didn't that? He couldn't. He could have started over and had another race. Didn't need us. But He chose, and He chose, and this is how He chose: the wisdom of God. You can be saved, and you can have eternal life, and you can be trapped. But it only through Christ and His cross. But when men put their faith in Christ, when men put their full confidence in Christ, then God the Father accepts them. Then He forgives them. Then He declares them righteous or in right standing with God. Then He receives them as sons and daughters with the blessings and privileges of being children of God. You see, man's wisdom wants to find their own way of approaching God and figuring God and appeasing God and somehow being accepted or feeling accepted by God, whether it's through self-righteousness or human merit or achievement or maybe just denying the fact that they have a need as if I'm okay anyhow. Think of the little boy who came up to his father and said, Daddy, Daddy, I'm eight foot tall. The father said, I don't think you're eight foot tall. Son, I'm eight foot tall. I measured. You measured. Bring me, bring me the ruler. He did. It was a six inch ruler. A six inch ruler. And, you know, you know if you, when you use the wrong standard, you, you come up with some kind of wrong conclusion. Isn't that right? You see, and, and men use the wrong measure to, to justify themselves. And to make themselves feel good about themselves. And the, 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 but the measure is God's measure. And God has declared that all are guilty. And all have sinned. And all need a Savior. But I've got good news for someone. Jesus is available. Jesus is waiting. And Jesus is abundantly capable of forgiving you. We think about how the Bible states to us that the cross is God's plan. And the cross, therefore, is God's provision and God's wisdom. It's God's way. And He rejects any other way. And God, wisdom of man, Paul's dealing with the wisdom of man. The wisdom of man can't accept it. That's not foolish. That's insulting. I, I want it my way. I'm going to figure out. My, that doesn't agree with me. God's saying, in all your years, all you debaters and philosophers, have you found God? Of course not. You're more confused than when you were created. Because you can't find God with a fallen, finite 
Paul talks to them about their wisdom. And we get frustrated. And we don't like it. And we don't want God's wisdom. But God says, here's my wisdom. It's clear for all. It's open for all. But it's the only way. Wisdom. And God is not budging because He's God. He's not budging on the fact that all have a need of a Savior. He's not budging. Just some bad people need it. Poor people. No, 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 no. All have sinned and fall. All are incapable of heaven in their own merit, in their own logic, in their own ability or works. God, I won't budge on that. But whosoever will can come through the cross. You remember that story of the um, college football team? They wanted a mascot, and they decided to have a goat. Question was, where we're going to keep this goat? Until two of the guys, two of the guys said, "We'll keep him in our dorm room." Well, you know, the head of the sports department got wind of that and said, "Hey guys, hey, 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 um, I heard about you want to keep a goat in your room, but what about the smell?" And one responded, "I don't think the goat will mind." <laughs> and um, <laughs> you know. You know, God minds. God minds. God minds. And that's why only those washed in the blood, only those that have called on the name of Jesus. See, we get used to a lot of things as humans. We accept a lot of things as humans, but God is not a man. See, God is so holy. God is so above. As human beings, we, we, get, we get worn down by society. We get worn down by our own fallen sympathies. And we begin to lower things. And we begin, but, but the Word is clear. And there's certain God, no, 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 no. I love that verse 20 where Paul says, Through all your studies, through all your debates, through all your dialogue, through all your wonderful, rich philosophies, Did you ever find God, Mr. Human Wise? Did you ever come to know Him in a personal and life-changing way? And of course not. Now Paul notes three different attitudes towards the cross. We see these attitudes today. We notice number one in verse 23 that some people stumble over the message we preach. Verse 23, we preach Christ crucified. A stumbling block to the Jews. Stumble over it. The the word stumble, it's an offense to them. It's where we get the word scandalized. It's a scandal to them. It's foolish. They stumble over it. They were expecting, see, expectation. When you get a human expectation that's not aligned with the Word of God, that's a recipe for frustration. You see. It's not trying to make God fit in line with my philosophy. It's making sure my philosophy is in line with His Word. Anything else, you know, there's, a, there's not an alignment here, you see. But, but men stumble over the message, Paul says. They're Jews. The, the cross, the message of Jesus dying, that was a stumbling block. They expected a deliverer. They expected a king that would come and throw off Rome. Their Messiah was to be a warrior and a conqueror, not a lamb that was slain. This couldn't be the Messiah. It, it was scandalous. It was an offense. They stumble over it. They didn't get it. It, it didn't fit what they thought things should be like. 
You know, people are like that, don't they? God ought to accept me because I'm a good person. God, God ought, I mean, you're not good enough. God, God ought to accept me, you know, because my good deeds are, are God's not an accountant. He's not, bat- no, 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 he's not doing what he's doing. He's a righteous judge. Some laugh, consider foolishness, the message we preach. Paul said that's what the Greeks did. The Greeks emphasized wisdom. And they saw no wisdom in the cross. It was shameful. It was weak. It it was um, a defeat. They looked at the cross from purely a human perspective. And they saw shame, not salvation. They saw defeat, not deliverance. And some men laugh at the cross today. They think, come on, that's crazy. In this modern age, I don't need that. Yes, you do. Why would God? I don't know. But He did. And that's the wisdom of God. But others, verse 18 and verse 24, but others believed and are saved through the message of the cross of Calvary. Some men, when they hear, and they've got to hear. That's why we have to preach it. That's why we have to go. That's why we have to get on every means possible that men might hear the good news of Jesus. Some men, when they hear, they believe. Just like you did. They respond to the call. And they experience the power and the wisdom of God in a personal, eternal, in a life-changing way. That's our testimony. That's what we are that believe. Those that hear and don't stumble, hear and don't reject as foolishness. No, no. They are the ones that hear and believe and respond. And in that believing, there is a receiving of God's grace and God's power and God's forgiveness and God's salvation. And that's what we've experienced. It's what Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 when he talks about the power to become a new creature. He says, therefore, listen, if anyone is in Christ, if anyone has responded to the message of the cross of Christ, if anyone's believed in that and come come to that, if anyone is in Christ, he becomes a new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are new. That's what happens when you say yes to the message of the cross and believe in the truth and revelation that God has given. Having heard the message of the cross, we have believed Christ died for us. We needed a Savior. We were sinners. But on the cross, He wasn't dying for Himself. He was dying for me. He rose again. He lives forevermore. And He is Lord. Yes, He is Lord. We've believed. And we have responded to the Word. Others used to sit where you sit, but they didn't respond. They rejected. Others for a while walked with this God, but then chose to listen to another voice. And go down another path. But now that we believe and we've responded to the call of God. And we've come. And we've given Him our life. We've given Him our all. We've put our confidence in Him and Him alone for our salvation. And we have received forgiveness and new birth and eternal and abundant life. 
and all the wonderful benefits and privileges of walking with God. Righteous standing, Romans 3 and 22, to the righteous standing that one receives this righteousness. Men spend their lives, liberals, try to earn their righteousness. But liberality, anything goes, makes me a better person. It's a deception. It's a confusion. They just think I am a better person the more I let everyone just live and let live. I want to be made righteous. I'm more righteous. As we do more here, we do want more righteous. Earning our righteousness. How dare you impose that's not, you're not righteous. This right man, you're in, I want to be right righteous means right standing before God. Soon and very soon. Gonna see the king soon and very soon. We're all gonna breathe our last breath. Only thing's gonna matter. Only thing's gonna matter then. I'm gonna have a right standing. With the living God. Not if they accepted me down the street. Not if the boss called me over his house for a barbecue. Because I was one of the boys. But do I have a right standing before God? This righteousness from God. See, there's a righteousness from God. It comes. Here's the only way it comes. Here's the wisdom of God. It comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There's no difference. Whether you're north, south, east, west, black, white, male, or female, believe in Christ. The cross is the wisdom of God. It is the way God chose to save those who would believe. The cross is the power of God to transform, to save all those who would believe. Romans 1 and 16, one of our favorite verses. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. This world's not ashamed of their slop. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power. The word power is where we get the Greek, we get the word dynamite. Dynamo, dynamo, that's dynamite. I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God. Unto salvation for everyone who believes. The Jew, the Greek. Not ashamed. It's the power of God. It might sound foolishness to the human ear. It might be insulting to that human intellect. But it's effective and it's life changing. It's real. Because within that message carries the omnipotence of God. Power of God to transform a life, to set people free, and to make us brand new. You know, Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he spoke about the cross. And he said, It is such an important part of Christianity that he ordered his disciples to practice it and remember it, celebrate it, thank God for it again and again as often as they do. And this morning I want to partake and obey His command. And as we remember the cross and what it means and what it accomplished and what it means to us who believe, let's do this with reverence. 
with thankfulness, with worshipful heart and expression, with an understanding that it's not by my good works that I escape the wrath I deserve. It is not by my human effort that somehow I achieved God's peace. But it's only because of the love of God expressed in the cross of Jesus Christ that I can know I am forgiven. I can know my life is secure forever and ever with God. And I can walk in this present hour with a victory, with a peace, and with a triumph that comes only through believing in Christ. As we remember, as we hold the cracker and the juice, as we remember, I pray that, number one, our hearts would be warmed. You look at that juice and that cracker and it represents the blood and the body. Look at it and remember and be warmed within when you think of the great love and mercy God had for you. His compassion, His forgiveness, His sacrifice for you. Let your heart be warmed and let your faith be stirred as you remember that that cross and the salvation it brings has brought a new power into your life has made you a new creature, has given you a new beginning and a new birth, and the past has been dissolved, and you have a glorious future in Christ and a power to walk with God victoriously by faith. And I pray that our hearts would be warmed and our faith would be stirred and our hope, our hope would be quickened. Because Jesus said, do this until I come. He's coming back again. And we that partake of the cross know it was part of that glorious pan, but He's coming back. And we have a glorious future that awaits. And it's wonderful. And it's all because Jesus went to the cross. I make it effective in my life. How? I believe. I receive. I put my faith. Amen? Don't put my faith in coming to the church, even if it's a good church. Don't put my faith in just saying I'm a moral person. I can't ever be moral enough. But when I put my faith, it saves me, it forgives me, transforms me. Gives me a present power, a freedom of condemnation, a strength to walk in the now victoriously, and it gives me a hope and security for that future. Glory be to God forever because of the blood. That's why we're not ashamed. That's why we praise God for it. Can you say amen? Amen. As the men come, let's sing, Oh, the blood. Everybody, Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. It washes white as snow. Let's sing it one more time. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. It washes white as snow. Father, we thank you for the blood of your only begotten Son. We thank you that that blood was shed for us, that we might be forgiven. We stand here today 
from different walks of life, different experiences, different backgrounds. But those that have believed, we stand united as the redeemed of the Lord, the blood bought, the washed, the cleansed, the revived, the renewed. And in Thee, we put our trust in Thee. We give our praise and we give our offering. Receive it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. about that night that Jesus would be betrayed that he would willingly and lovingly lay down his life that you and I might be here this morning knowing true forgiveness and eternal salvation hallelujah glory to God amen Lord we thank you for the blood that wasn't just cleansed as a martyr 2,000 years ago, but your blood that was shed as an atoning sacrifice that is a power and effectiveness this very moment that all who would believe can be free from guilt and shame, from sorrow and sin. Hallelujah. The Apostle Paul writes to us, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night He was betrayed, He took bread, and when He had given thanks, He broke it and said, This is My body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance 
thankful knee, thankful hearts, we remember that God sent His Son not just to be a teacher, not just to be a prophet or a miracle worker, but He sent His Son with one specific goal to die that you and I might be redeemed and forgiven. He gave His body. He allowed them. He allowed them. He allowed them to beat Him and to abuse Him. and to re- He allowed it that we could be healed. That we could be made whole. And with thankful hearts, we remember His love and we remember what that love and sacrifice achieved. Lord Jesus, thank You for Your broken body. Thank You for Your love and thank You for what You accomplished. By faith, we believe, we receive it, and we rejoice. Amen. Let's partake. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink. In remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We give thanks and we remember that this cup recognizes, resembles, reminds us of the blood, represents that precious blood. Not the blood of lambs or goats, Not the blood of just merely a good man or a martyr, but God's only begotten sinless Son, the Lamb of God. His blood was shed, not that He needed forgiveness. He never sinned. Not that He needed somehow the approval of the Father. He always had it. But that I and that you could know we are clean, clean as clean can be before God and that we're restored back to the place we belong from the beginning that we are righteous that we are forgiven all because of the blood we believe what this blood accomplished we put our faith in what the blood of Jesus did in that we receive the salvation of the Lord Lord Jesus we thank you For your shed blood, we thank you, Lord, that it wasn't just something you did many, many years ago, but it's something that has power today to work in lives, to continue to release the blessing of the Father. We thank you, Jesus, for that love. We thank you, Jesus, for what your shed blood accomplished 2,000 years ago and today. We give you praise and honor for it. We express our faith. We believe and we receive and we give you praise. Let's partake with thankful hearts this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Thank you that we're free. Thank you that we're free. Thank you there's no more condemnation, guilt, or shame. Thank you, Lord, we're new creatures. We thank you, Lord, for a new beginning. We thank you, Lord, for a glorious future. We thank you, Lord, the chains have been broken. We thank you, Lord, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Oh, we thank you, Lord. Oh, for the power of your blood, for the mercy of your blood. We praise you. Oh, we thank you. Oh, let's 
sing that song and give him praise. He's worthy of it all. Hallelujah. continue just praise the Lord. Father, we thank you for the cross of Calvary where Jesus died for us, where he shed that sinless blood that we might be forgiven and we might receive a great and eternal salvation. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, be blessed as we give you praise. May your power and your presence ascend upon this congregation in a special way. Let there be a cleansing. Let there be a refreshing. Fill those that are thirsty for more this morning. Fill every thirsty soul. Heal and deliver those battling in their bodies and minds. Come, O Lord, and move mightily among your people this morning as we praise you and pray one for another. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, if you need prayer, come and receive it. If you need prayer, come and wait on the Lord. Let's worship his holy name.